वेलकम टू द पॉड प्रोज सीरीज ऑफ इंडियन पॉडकास्टिंग रेवोल्यूशन इन दिस सीरीज वी सेट अक्रॉस सम लीडिंग पॉडकास्ट एक्सपर्ट्स फ्रॉम अक्रॉस द ग्लोब टू डू सम क्रिस्टल बॉल गेजिंग अराउंड द राइज ऑफ पॉडकास्ट दे शेयर विद अस द टिप्स स्ट्रेटजीज एंड द डिस्ट्रक्टिव वर्क दे आर डूइंग इन द वर्ल्ड ऑफ पॉडकास्टिंग आई एम योर होस्ट एंड फाउंडर ऑफ डन फॉर यू पॉडकास्ट रोशनी परोनिया एंड व्हाई वेट फॉर द लेट्स जंप राइट इन For the very first episode of Pod Pros of Indian Podcasting Revolution, I have someone whose work I have admired since the day I became a podcaster. She is one of the most acclaimed pioneers in the podcasting industry, and she is none other than Fatima Zaidi, founder of Co-Host and Quill Podcasting. Her podcast production agency creates podcasts for Fortune 500 companies, and Fatima is the best person to learn more about branded podcasts. I cannot wait any longer to start this conversation. Fatima a very warm welcome to you and how are you doing today Thank you so much Roshni it's such a pleasure to be here I'm doing so well and uh, thank you for having me on your show and that too the first episode I'm so happy to kick things off Yes I'm so excited about this So Fatima let's start with a little bit of back story on how did you get into podcast and what got you into the audio content space I used to run another agency back in my former life. It feels like a really long time ago. And back in 2014, when Sarah Kaning launched Serial, the murder mystery show about a nun, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard, and it made podcasting a household name. And I started thinking about podcasting as a really unique opportunity for brands to be able to reach their audiences at a time that isn't tr- available to traditional advertisers. You can be driving to work and listening to a podcast, but you can't be watching a Netflix. show you can be walking your dog and listening to a podcast but you can't be reading an article or a blog it's like one of the few mediums where being actively engaged in other activities seems to increase engagement and so i decided to launch a brand new agency called Quill which was very productized in podcasting so all we would do is create high quality shows for fortune 500 to 1000 brands we do their audience growth we would guarantee them an audience and that's how sort of Quill launched uh, a few years ago we launched in the pandemic so we were a pandemic company and it happened to be really good timing for us because when covid happened all of these brands as experiential budgets went towards audio audio format shows because they couldn't attend events and conferences and that's how our company really started to grow. Awesome, awesome. That's a pandemic baby. I didn't knew about that, but the kind of work that you have generated, the body of work that you have generated in such a short period of time, it's incredible. So you said you work with Fortune 500 companies to create and market their podcast and guarantee audience growth. And I'm sure the first question that they would ask you are why podcast what will it do for our business how it will increase the bottom line i mean how do you address these first few queries from your clients i would say that when i think about podcasting i always remind brands that you shouldn't be thinking of it as like an isolated podcast that you're getting it's a part of your content mix so if you have a newsletter and if you have video and if you have social channels and blog content then a podcast is a really great addition to that mix you should be thinking of it as a 360 content strategy and so you know convert all of your transcripts into SEO formatted blogs convert bite-sized content for channels like LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok put your content on YouTube as a YouTube series so don't just think of it as like an isolated podcast 
And the stat that I really like is 94% of people who start a podcast end up listening to the entire episode, whereas a 30-minute video only has a 12% completion rate. And there was a study done in 2021 by BBC. It was called The Art of Podcast Landscape. And it talks about quantifiable metrics on how a podcast can impact a brand's bottom line. And the one that really stood out to me is that it increases purchasing intent by almost 16%. And it gives you a lot more exposure than a one to two minute TV or radio ad. So to me, it's kind of like one of those things where if you're trying to reach millennial professionals who are decision makers in the workforce, which now accounts for 80% of the workforce, it's sort of a, a no brainer that you should at least test it out as a marketing tactic to reach a global audience. Exactly. I would like you to elaborate a little bit more on the point that you said that it increases the purchasing decision or the affinity to in, uh, buy or purchase a particular product, program or service. So how does that happen? So podcasting is very intimate in nature. The podcast host becomes an influencer and your audiences really trust your product recommendations. And so because of the nature of the medium, it's not like digital advertising where you're reaching mass amounts of people. It's like very targeted. You're only reaching people who are seeking out your content. That's actually my favorite thing about branded podcasts. Your audience, no matter how big or how small, is highly qualified and relevant to be interacting with your content because they're seeking out your content. And so for that reason, generally speaking, ads that are done on podcasts are very different from radio, TV, digital marketing, social ads, because it's so intimate in nature. It's almost like influencer marketing on a very micro level. And generally speaking, I would say that the conversion rates are a lot higher with podcast advertising. Per personally, for me, I know that I've purchased so many products and services after listening to podcasts like my Andy mattress, HelloFresh's meal subscription, my Bombay hair curler. There's so many things that I've purchased after listening to a podcast. And it's because the host of the show is generally someone who I um, trust and, and would listen to the product endorsements. That's so interesting that you yourself purchase so many products based on an advertisement or a recommendation you've heard from the host. It's interesting to know that. But I'm curious to also know that when organizations work with you on podcast creation and development, what are some of the top most or most common business objectives they come to you with? Of course, increasing the bottom line is one aspect, but beyond that, what are the few business objectives that you handle or take care of? So it's interesting because I would say there's like three categories that we sort of fall into. The first is brand awareness and thought leadership, becoming the go-to expert or subject matter expert on a particular topic. The second is definitely lead generation, um, you know, using a podcast to increase your organization's bottom line. And the third is, um, I call them vanity projects. It's like the founder or CEO of a company that wants to become famous through the avenue of podcasts. The third is something that we don't really touch on. Like if somebody comes to us and they are interested in a vanity project, that's not really the work that we do at Quill. We're more so interested in supporting brands with um, thought leadership, brand awareness, and of course, working with them on their bottom line. 
When we originally launched Quill, we found it really interesting because the type of clients that we typically work with, back in the day, the only information that you could really get on your podcast was how many downloads do you have? How many listeners do you have? And very basic level information. And so we were having a really hard time helping brands understand the ROI of their show because they were looking for Google Analytics level data. They wanted to know like who's listening to their podcast, age, gender, demographic, household income, occupation, where are they coming in from? How are they responding to the content? And we couldn't find that information out there. None of the hosting providers or backend platforms were providing this level of data. So that's actually how we decided to build Co-Host a couple of years ago because we needed to help brands justify the creation of new production budgets. And when you keep lumping podcasting into the brand awareness category, there's no way to measure success. It's like PR. And if you continue on that path, it's very hard to justify new budgets because it's a nice to have, not need to have. And we were entering the recession after COVID. So it, it got to a point where CFOs that we were speaking to were like, if this is how much it's going to cost to create a podcast, we need to know quantifiably what are the benefits of creating a podcast. So that's how our company launched Co-Host and we started measuring those ROI metrics. So now we can show you age, gender, household income, occupation of your listeners. We can show you what companies are listening to your podcast. So you can use it as a sales list for your organization. We can show you where your downloads are coming in from. Are they coming from Facebook? Are they coming from a newsletter? Is it the guest promotion? We can show you where are they dropping off? Are they listening all the way to the end? Or are they only consuming a little bit of your show? Loyal listeners. Those are the type of metrics I would say that now are starting to matter for organizations and agencies who work with brands. And I think there's a direct correlation with the product stats and us seeing our close rate and companies wanting to renew for new seasons. So when you say that you work with such deep analytics with your clients, as an agency, how much handholding do you do for your clients? How immersive it gets? Uh, if you can just share it with any example with your client show or an organization that you've worked with, the process of developing the podcast and creating it for a particular business objective and giving them those tangible results. I would say very handholding. Like we are very hands-on. We're a full service agency. So we're responsible for leading every aspect of the of the show. Every every Friday, we send our clients a very detailed report on how their show is performing, what went well that week, what didn't go well, how we're going to change our strategy the following week. And then throughout the engagement, we generally will send them a monthly, very detailed analytics report showing them their audience, all of the sort of data points, what companies are listing, all the data points we chatted about. And all of this information can be found on the front end of co-host. In terms of like how in-depth do we have to get, I would say quite. With companies like PwC and Expedia and Microsoft, like you can't really get away with giving them surface level stats. And so they want to see a tangible growth rate increase with their podcast. They want to make sure that like every episode and every season we're growing their audience exponentially. And they also want to make sure that it's the right audience. So it's not just about reaching any listener, which I find a lot of podcast hobbyists and independent creators, they just, you know, don't really care who they're reaching. It's just a matter of like, let's market to everyone and anyone and listeners a listener, whereas brands are very focused on, is this the right listener? That's very true because I feel this coming in with a lot of 
hobbyist podcasters and independent podcasters that they lead with their core expertise or the content that they want to share instead of who is listening to it or who is consuming that content and if you are focused on audience growth or engagement i think you should lead with the audience and their needs and requirements instead of what you've got to offer so so that's something but if someone is going in to make a b2b podcast what are your tips what is the right approach how they should maximize the benefits for a podcast a b2b podcast specifically b2b podcast specifically i would say that you really need to spend 50% of your budget on marketing like the existence of your show is not news and creating a podcast isn't enough like your audience won't just find you because you've created a podcast maybe if you create like some sort of an investigative series murder mystery show the viral the content can become viral overnight but generally speaking it's rare and we always say to our clients like we won't do production of your show without marketing ad spend so like a significant portion of their budget needs to go towards advertising dollars so that we can promote their show whether it's on Spotify whether it's on social whether it's on banner ads or you know whatever tactics we're sort of deploying and so that would be like my first point of recommendation and And then my second point of recommendation would be use a third party analytics tool so that you can build a better relationship with your podcast listeners. So for example, our product will show you who's listening to your show in terms of like how you can reach out to them. That's important for B2B shows because the whole point usually with B2B shows is to build a relationship with your stakeholders, whether that's your customers, whether that's your audience. They you want to know what other companies are consuming your content use that data to reach out to them ask them to be a guest on your show ask them to give you feedback on your content ask them to set up a meeting and maybe do marketing collaborations with them it's it goes well beyond just like recording an episode every week or every month like you really need to be engaging with your community very unique insights of fatima there so switching lanes here to a little bit talk about your journey as an agency owner and a business owner in the podcasting space what are some of the key challenges you faced to get first few clients and how do you ensure that you maintain that customer success and delight in your agency because specifically talking about the indian podcasting landscape people are still warming up to the audio format of content creation of course in us it is way ahead but uh, were there any initial challenges you faced as an agency owner to convince people that audio content is a thing and you should venture into it yeah and it's so interesting that you say that indian market is so behind because i would say like definitely like north america is like at the top of the tier in terms of podcast consumption along with south korea south korea is like a really big market too for podcasting i find that europe and uk is like just getting to where we were like during the pandemic like where they're starting to catch on in fact next week i'm going to london to speak at the podcast show and like there's so many companies now coming out to get on the podcasting bandwagon but like a few years ago it was like a very quiet scene i found in europe and india is probably a little bit behind them which is like just starting to like slowly warm up which is a really exciting space for you to be in because where you are today is where i was just before the pandemic so a part of your a big part of your job is going to be educating brands on the importance of podcasting and encouraging them to give it a try or test it out as a tactic but it's going to explode for you at some point in the next few years because brands will realize that it's a tactic that a is necessary to try if you're trying to reach millennial professionals it also works 
Like it's a really smart tactic. I, I recently had a couple of companies from India reach out to me, like Tata Consulting Group. Unfortunately, it wasn't a good project for us because of the time zone difference. Um, I think I might have passed it along. But it was so interesting because my conversations with them, with their procurement team, I had to do so much explaining on like the justification of the cost. Um, and I was like, firstly, you're going to get sticker shock working with a North American agency because like already when you look at the conversion rate from like dollars to Indian rupees, it's like a drastic change. So you're probably better off working with an agency on the ground in India. To which they responded, there aren't any or there aren't many. And so I was like, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. And they didn't want to spend that much money on testing out their their podcast. But when you look at their budgets for social advertising and PR and blog content, it's like we're a fraction of that budget. And so I had to explain that to them. I had to explain to them, you know, we have much higher engagement rates and all of these tactics that you're mentioning, but we are asking for a very small budget. Like, it seems like a lot to you, but there's a lot of work that goes into creating a podcast and doing it well. And if we hodgepodge something together for you in like a very minimal budget, then it wouldn't do justice to the type of results that you're looking for in order to do another season two. So you might as well do it properly from day one. And think about the fact that everybody consumes content in different ways. Some people prefer watching and people prefer watching Netflix and only Netflix will never be the audience for podcasts. Some people prefer reading. Some people don't want to watch TV or even listen to audio. They prefer reading books and newspapers and, and magazines. And, and again, they're not the target audience. But there is a percentage of the audience or market that only prefers audio content or like significantly prefers audio content. I am that person. I don't like watching TV and I don't really, you know, watch Netflix or movies and stuff. But I do love audio format shows. I listen to seven or to 10 podcasts a week. And until very recently, until podcasting, that entire market was ignored. So what I said to Tasha Consulting Group and a couple other Indian companies that I've spoken to recently is that just like your business had a phone number in the 1980s and then a website in the 1990s and then social media in the 2000s, the next five to 10 years is the wave of audio. So I think that really helped them understand like, yes, there are early adopters in India. If they like test out this tactic, they'll be positioned as innovative and cutting edge. But again, the price point, I was like, go with an Indian on the ground agency because that would make more sense. Really exciting opportunity for you because you can be like one yeah, of the- raise, raising our hand you yeah, exactly. <laughs> for that. But yeah, but that was a great insight that you've shared that yes, there was a time when people invested in their postal address, then the website, which is the digital address, then social media, and now it's the podcast way. So from in India, we say the golden from the golden age of radio, we've moved to the platinum age of podcasting. So, so yes, people have to rise to the fact that yes, it is a new way of how kinesthetically you are addressing and touching the audience's heart and mind and soul. Another point that uh, I wanted to discuss with you, since we are talking about the agency work, Quill and co-hosts do annual surveys and reports and the latest one coming out of being the state of podcasting agency. So talk to us a little bit about that. How did you come about doing that survey? What were some of the highlights, the findings, and which was the insight which really surprised you? 
So it's interesting because we love putting out industry reports specifically because there's very few research studies and data done around branded podcasts. Like it's a within podcasting, it's a very niche category. And like even larger organizations like Addison and Nielsen, they more so focus on the landscape in general rather than this like one little vertical of like brands who are podcasting. Obviously, that vertical is really important to us given that we do so much work in that space, but there's no data out there to support the work that we're doing. And without the data, we don't really know what the pain points are. So we decided to survey. I can't remember off the top of my head how many agencies. I think it's in the report, but we surveyed large group of agencies that typically work with brands. You were also one of the people that we Yes, we were. So I think 50 plus agencies across the world you had. Yeah. And we tried to, and we tried to be very diverse. Like we tried to pick the very large production agencies. We tried to pick smaller ones. We tried to pick across the world. So it wasn't like a biased sample size. And those 50 agencies obviously have like at 50 plus clients. And so we aggregated all of their data. And the two biggest findings from the report was uh, the two biggest challenges that agencies have are resourcing. And then of course, audience growth is a really big challenge, as well as the lack of data and insights for their clients. The lack of data and insights and audience growth was not surprising to me at all, because That's the challenge that we have every day with our clients. It's like, how do we make sure we're hitting the right audiences? How do we make sure they're the qualified listeners? And then how do we make sure we get access to the data and insights? That's why we launched the product. The the thing that I found really interesting, and I thought this was unique to our agency, and when doing this report, I realized, actually, no, this is a problem that all agency owners face is resourcing. I'm always trying to do the dance of maintaining. I'm always doing this dance where I'm trying to make sure that we're hitting our profit margins, but also that we have enough talent working on our shows to create quality work. And it's like this little equilibrium that you have to like make sure that you don't have too many people on an account where your profit margins are hurting, but you want enough people on where the work quality isn't compromised. And that is very challenging as an agency owner. It's like getting that profit margin balance to workload accurately sort of positioned. And so that I found other agencies also complained was like a big obstacle for them. Yes, yes. I totally agree to it because especially in our side of the geography, podcasting is such a new space that even to get talent who has full awareness and expertise in this particular domain is an uphill task. So we have to first train and teach a particular talent and look for transferable skills in them so that they are able to adopt and adapt to the podcasting space. So so yeah, that's a huge challenge. So great and nice conversation, Fatima. So many incredible insights that you have shared. One last question from you. What are your closing tips or message for an emerging independent podcaster? I'm sure you work a lot with branded podcasts and organizations, but if any tip you have for an independent podcaster also. My like one main tip would be that podcasting is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, If you're looking for instant gratification, it is not the right tactic for you. It takes time to be successful with your show. It's like building your company or building your personal brand. If you look at some of the most successful podcasters today, the one commonality between all of them is that they kept going and they kept producing content frequently. um, And eventually all of that sort of hard work and content accumulated and snowballed into success. 
For example, the example that I always use is Joe Rogan. Personally, I don't think his content is great. And I think he appeals to a very, very specific audience. I am definitely not that audience. But the one thing that Joe Rogan has been doing is podcasting for a very long time. He's been doing it since before podcasting was the household name. And you know, eventually that led to his like multi-million dollar deal with Spotify. But it just goes to show that whether or not your content is amazing or not, like the one commonality is to continue going. And eventually you will find an audience that's, you know, ingrained with your community and content. So it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Just remember that and keep podcasting. Thank you so much for sharing that. I believe that too, consistency comes before conversion. So before expecting anything coming out of your podcast, at least first stay consistent with it. Thank you so much for the incredible insights, Fatima, and for your time today for this episode. And uh, any closing words or where can people connect you with? Thank you so much for having me, Roshni. I I really appreciate it. And I'm really rooting for your company as well. Um, You can find us pretty much anywhere. Company website is quailpodcasting.com for quail. And then our product website is co-host podcasting.com we're also on all of the social channels so you can pretty much find us anywhere hope this conversation helps you with your podcasting journey whether you are an emerging or an established podcaster for more such podcast insights follow indian podcasting revolution and if you want help with the launch management or growth of your podcast Check out our website www.dfip.in which is the acronym for Done For You Podcast because you see we like to keep things simple. And yes, if you wish to be a part of an exclusive podcaster community, join the waitlist from the link given in show notes. That's all for Pod Pros at Indian Podcasting Revolution this week. We shall meet again in the next episode.